Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the First Word Podcast, or as I'm going to call it, the Speculation and Theories and Predictions Discussion episode, uh, as it's not a normal discussion of what we've seen episode. So, um, and welcome to my co-host. Mike. Also, by the way, this is literally the First Word Podcast. If we've ever had an episode that should be titled The First Word, it's this one. This episode just came about as a desire to talk about everything coming up in 2019 between Avengers and Star Wars and, and our hype and excitement for them and to uh, decide because originally we started this podcast with Star Wars um, almost two years ago and um, now that we're kind of back in the next throw of the next Star Wars, uh, the thought we've had is to, to, to discuss based on the first trailer that just came out last week. Uh, to discuss Star Wars and our, and our theories and predictions and excitement. And so it's a total kind of throw everything out there discussion episode. And the other idea I had, um, which I know a couple websites like Slash Film do, is to, to, who knows if we'll come around to it, but basically throw out all our ideas and predictions and see if any of it actually is true. Or, or more importantly, see how far off we are once we actually get around to seeing the movie. Because, of course, some of it is deception. And maybe we think this is going to happen and it's completely not at all the case. Yeah, we we basically like talk twenty four seven about Star Wars and Endgame theories or predictions. I mean, we talk about other things too, but the reality is, right now, I think anybody who loves movies is thinking about these two movies. And obviously, Endgame comes out a week from right now when we're recording this podcast, so we'll get those answers very soon. But Skywalker comes out in months, and there will be much more to speculate. But it's really fun to speculate off the first trailer. I mean, once you start to get additional content and things start to slip a little bit and they start to really put their marketing machine in motion, they 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 start to control you a little bit more. Like, the only time you get to really live in your own mind with very little other influence is after a movie's first teaser trailer. Because, the like, even with Endgame, right, that first teaser... It sort of gave us something, but I guess Endgame's a little bit of a different beast because the first teaser, in a way, was Infinity War. You know, I mean, it's so soon afterwards, and we're still thinking about Infinity War, and we're still thinking about what's going to happen. And they ended that movie in such a sort of cliffhanger fashion that now we need answers. And the trailers for Endgame have not given much at all. So I guess the real what we should do is start with Endgame because... First of all, it's coming out so soon, but also I think the speculation is a little bit more contained. So, yeah, of course. I, I mean, what what we're trying to do is figure out, not necessarily. I think a, a very important sort of caveat for what we're doing here is uh, oftentimes when I'm talking about sort of predictions or theories with people, you can tell quickly whether or not they've set themselves in a mindset where if this doesn't happen, the movie's bad. And I think that's something that people really need to think about. Like, it's such a healthy and fun thing to speculate and to do this. But only if you can always remind yourself at the end of the day, it's just not your movie. It's, it's, you, you may feel an ownership over these characters because you've spent time with them. But you haven't spent nearly the time that the filmmakers or the actors or the writers have spent with them. There are movies where they don't spend any time and they just put shit on paper and then they just sell it. But this isn't cotton candy like anymore. You know, I, the first Avengers movie was kind of like a cotton candy movie. It's just sugary and fun and you, you can fucking go get it at a carnival and go home. 
But now, 22 movies later, all of this sort of evolution of this franchise and the characters, it's pretty clear that the stakes are, from a movie standpoint, very real. And what happens next is very important or very serious. And it's still going to have a comic book feel, for sure. It's still going to have lighthearted moments, and it's going to have some, hopefully, you know, kind of fun elements, but at the end of the day, I think everybody involved with Endgame knows that this is a movie about answers and finality, and although the franchises will continue, although Marvel's nowhere near done, this is like a, this is a serious movie, and they've taken it seriously, and I think people who speculate about what's going to happen should keep that in mind. Like, you, you, there are a lot of people who are trying to figure out uh, the, the core question is who's going to die, right? Who's going to survive and who's going to die? And I, I, today, I think it was Hollywood Reporter tweeted, what if nobody dies? <laughs> it's like, just first of all, it's fine to think about any scenario, but let's try, especially for the purposes of this podcast, to keep it all within the reality of what we've seen before and what is actually probably, you know, realistically and narratively going to happen. No, Mike, but I love, I love the, I love the Ant Man going up Thanos butt theory. <laughs> Come on, that that could really happen. I was watching Graham Norton uh, last night because um, I found it for the first time. I can actually watch it on TV and not have to watch clips on YouTube, which is an amazing moment because I love that show. And of course, Chris Hemsworth and Paul Rudd, two of my favorite people, by the way, in the entire. Um, MCU actor universe, whatever you want to call it, uh, we're talking about this exact theory, and Paul Rudd called it the Thanos theory, which I thought was <laughs> so funny. <laughs> so the theory is: Why don't you tell everybody if, if they don't know? Well, no, the the the, the, the big speculation is how they're going to defeat Thanos and what they're going to do, and everyone has kind of at least uh, projected the idea that Ant Man will be involved in somehow, and therefore. The I don't know who came up with it. Someone on Twitter said, "What if the way he defeats him is he gets tiny and crawls up Thanos' butt because there's and then and then expands because there's no other way to to uh, trick Thanos into anything." And it's like it's actually one of those things where you're like, "Well, there is some uh, comic book reality to it, but also, I mean, I I hate to point out the obvious, but the the fact that they're joking about it so openly is pretty much confirmation that it's not it." Um, Wait, and of course. Nah, I mean, did you else. really spend more than a nanosecond thinking about this? No, but I, but I, I do think Ant Man and the Quantum Realm has some relevance into what's going to happen. I just don't know what, and uh, and uh, you know, I, I entertained it in a fun way. Like this, you, 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 the one thing about Avengers, and I mean, both of these movies, is that they are still pure fantasy. Like literally, anything could happen. There is no basis of reality for what they can do or how it can progress. And of course, the writers are going to do something that is hopefully, hopefully much more intelligent than simply crawling up his butt. But also, um, you have no idea. Maybe there's some trickery because, you, I mean, you can't forget with Avengers, especially with Infinity War, how some of these characters are really goofy. Like um, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, uh, Pratt's characters. Um, what's his name? Skylord? <laughs> Star I don't even Lord. know that Star Lord, uh, like him. He the whole part of Infinity War. He was just such a goofball, and and of course we know that he. Uh, I mean, not directly, but basically is responsible for not being able to defeat Thanos that time. Like there, there's those kind of moments where the goofiness does actually play into it. Even Rocket, 
the raccoon is super goofy in the way he acts around things. Um, I, I, when I'm thinking about how something like this is going to end, I think, you know, I, I'm trying to deconstruct it a little bit because the, I know you don't watch Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones itself is all about, you know, trying to predict what's happening next. And it's all about the conversations and theories and all that stuff. Right. But one of the things that I often have frustrated conversations with my friends about is that sometimes they're just trying to come up with the most batshit crazy ideas that don't seem rooted in what the writers are trying to accomplish, right? The, the people who sit down with pen to paper, the people who sit down to thinking about this is their, you know, this is their film as a director. What is, uh, which, which characters have earned it? That's always, I think, the most important place to start. And when we talk about Skywalker and when we talk about Endgame, whatever, like, Who's earned the right to kill Thanos? And I think that's <laughs> that's that's some, uh, there's two questions we need answered in Endgame. One is who kills Thanos? Who's going to get Thanos? Who's going to be the one to kill him or how, I guess? And the second question is how will they get all the other people back? So, I just want to start with the Thanos one quick because I feel like that one's the it's the shortest discussion. Well, but isn't it isn't the whole point now that there isn't really one person. I mean, aside from Gamora, who was the most connected to Thanos, but isn't, I mean, so far as we know, she's gone. Um, there is no one person that quote unquote deserves it. And a lot of movies uh, have dealt with this recently is basically the idea that there isn't one, therefore there won't be only one who, who gets to do it. And um, I don't know how they'll handle that. Uh, I, I think it will be a team effort in, in kind of some, like, I, I've actually considered that maybe they'll send him away to, like, a like a, a Phantom Zone kind of thing. Like, they won't be able to really, like, kill him, especially Disney. They don't like to completely kill a person, um, but make them disappear somehow. Um, and, 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 you know, like, I was, I guess the most other thought that came to mind was like Murder on the Orient Express has that kind of ending, right? Where they're all like, well, we, I mean, spoiler for those who haven't seen it, but like, hey, uh, we, we all have to address this. It's not one person. Like one person didn't do it themselves. Um, and they Look, were all. I, I think you, the Murder on the Orient Express is the one that I always come back to because, and yeah, like if you haven't seen it and you really care at this point about not being spoiled, then stop listening for like two I minutes. Don't know but, <laughs> but I think the most interesting point part in that is that, yes, the train is full of people who all have their own past with the Johnny Depp character, Ratchet, and they all get to put the knife through his chest. But then at the end, somebody still gets that final blow, right? And I think that even if every character who's been, you know, injured or hurt or, uh, or whatever by Thanos gets a chance to sort of disable him, who's going to get that final blow? And for me watching Infinity War a number of times and sort of coming to my own conclusions as, as you know, with a filmmaker's mindset about it, I, I think it's gotta be Thor. And well, I, I just, I, to me, look, I get that Captain America, I, I, and, I, well, I'm going to tell you, I, I think that I know Captain America and Iron Man are our sort of like saga leaders, right? The, the two big leaders of this, entire mcu franchise universe but um and and i get that you know iron man was nearly killed uh, in hand-to-hand -hand combat by thanos thanos killed spider-man who he cares deeply about 
And for Captain America, there really isn't any sort of personal stake other than just being a leader and doing the right thing and killing the bad guy. Like, he doesn't have much of a personal stake at this point in, in, in why he needs to be the one. Thor, completely the opposite. Not only did Thanos wipe out his entire, um, his entire, uh, I don't know, it's not species, uh, world, let's call it world, um, the survivors of, of uh, Asgard, right? He killed all, almost all of them. He uh, killed Loki officially. I'm, I mean, if they, if they, if they take that back, that's silly. But um, he killed Loki. He killed Heimdall. And most importantly, Thor has the biggest redemption opportunity, right? He should have gone for the head. And I think there's a moment in the trailer when he's, you know, sort of like hovering and he looks at, at he looks at the axe and the lightning is coming around him. And I think that moment might actually be him right before he threw the axe in Infinity War, but revisited, because I'm sure in some capacity they're going back in time, whether they go back to doing multiple events or whether they just get to redo the events of inf- of, inf- of the end of Infinity War. Mm-hmm. It almost feels to me when I see that moment in the trailer that he's looking at his axe in his final moment of, I'm going to put this through his head this time, and then he's going to throw it. I-, I do think that that's... I-, I think that that's how Thanos has to has to end that's so obvious though that's like i I, but i don't think i don't think a surprise i don't think surprise is as important as i don't think surprise is as important as as the earned victory though and how they get there like what sacrifices do they have to make to get there in the first place i think that's the key question of this movie not you seem to be mike you seem to be forgetting the whole point which is that at the end of infinity war everyone was evened out with we all have a loss. And even the first in two trailers they've released are basically every Avenger currently still alive being like, we've all lost someone. That's literally a piece of dialogue. No, that's so that's true. You're right. And there, and of course, the, the other obvious choice is um, Captain Marvel for, for both societal reasons, but also because she's you know one of the most powerful and seems to have not been involved around the rest of the time. So why not? You know, maybe she has the power to do it. But the one uh, the one I'll throw out there, just pure speculation, is um, is it's kind of it's like a potential spoiler because uh, this was in a TV spot that got released, and someone said this is the other person missing from the other trailers, and of course since this is a speculation episode, we could be completely off. We could be completely like, what if we get completely one hundred percent right and have no idea? You know, so so you know, if you're worried about ruining it, whatever, don't be listening. But hopefully you are. But basically, the the person that appeared in this was Pepper. And I have this feeling that what if, like, um, sh- what if she's somehow involved? Like, obviously, she doesn't have any powers and no way to be there unless she's in one of Iron Man's suits. Well, can but, I, um, can I, can I, I'm not going to stop you. I want you to keep going. But can I give you an extra piece of information? And again, like, this, this is speculative spoiler territory. But back when they were making Infinity War, which, as we know, they made these two back to back. Right. There was a there, she had a photo leaked of her in rescue armor. I'm not a big comics person, but I have looked it up. And rescue yeah. armor is one of Tony Stark's comic book, you know, things that he made for her. And although it's more of a defensive suit, it, it would make sense that he says, "Look, we need everybody," and I made a suit for you. 
and that yeah. she does have a significant role to play. I mean, that would be awesome. But there is so there is some there's definitely a grounded base of that she's probably going to suit up in some way, like you're saying. So so how do you see her? Not in the, a defense idea. Mode. Uh... What if the first idea is true that that uh, Iron Man dies somehow? You know, I don't think he just dies in the ship that he's drifting in, but somehow is gone, and the the ultimate revenge because he was the beginning of the MCU twenty one films ago or twenty two films ago. Um, what if since he's now gone, the ultimate revenge for that is Pepper Potts, his you know ultimate love coming around and like i can see what you're saying michael which is like everyone participates you know thor gets a hit you know cap gets a hit everyone gets a hit and then she gets the final blow somehow i just um, don't think that that would be earned in my opinion i i do think that there's a, but she's, a very... she's always been the like emotional core in a, in a weird way where i'm like she, it, none of her is earned but she's there because she's it's tony's love <laughs> i hear you i i i i think that that's uh I wouldn't be surprised if this conversation came up in the development process, but I, I feel like it'd be it'd be really easy for me if I was in that room to talk myself out of it simply because yeah. I do think that in the end, the core Avengers team, whether it's one or all of them, have to be the ones to take him down. Look, there was a moment in Infinity War when they had him. He was dead to rights. Yeah, they they could have taken the sleeve off, but that jackass Peter Quill... Got all hot-headed uh, because that's who he is, Star right? Starks. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, you know, that's who he is as a character. When you have all these players. Yeah, yeah. You talked about this. I know. I mean, what I love is that when you have all these people pl- working together as a team, you have too many cooks in the kitchen. And then you have a moment like that. But when you strip it back down to just the core original Avengers squad, then you have the ability to be much more of an organized team. They're obviously going to spend the first portion of this movie deliberating and thinking about what to do. And then Ant-Man's going to show up and have this idea. And then Captain Marvel's going to show up in whatever order it is. Captain Marvel shows up and has this idea. And Iron Man comes back and says, let's put this shit together. You know, you can sort of see the pieces coming together, right? Ant-Man says, I've got this technology to get into the quantum realm that we can go in a time loop or whatever. Um, And Iron Man has the tool or it's Tony Stark has the tools to to suit everybody up with that technology right to to whatever extent that he might and Captain Marvel in the small amount of clips that we've seen so far seems to be her cocky self she thinks she can handle it I do think when we're talking speculation though I do think that um, although they made and sort of wrote Endgame before Captain Marvel which I do think is something we have to keep in mind I don't think that she experienced much in the way of true adversity in Captain Marvel. Like, she was fairly successful from start to finish in that movie. Of course, like, her world was shattered, and mentally, you know, she just sort of, that was her conflict. But she didn't have too much trouble taking out the bad guys in that movie. So, I do think that she's got to take a hit. Like, all of our heroes in every movie like this in order for them to stay relevant and interesting, they've got to take a hit. And I think that that's what makes Endgame so interesting is that all these characters took the biggest hit of all. They lost. They'd never really, really lost before, not to this extent. And she comes in not feeling completely connected to that loss and feeling just cocky enough to just say, I'll just go kill Thanos myself. 
And I, so I, I'm curious to see how that works out for her. Because yeah, as sure. good as she is, I, I don't see her beating Thanos one-on-one. And I do no. think that this is going to be an opportunity, like end of the first act or something, for her to realize that she's going to need to team up with these guys and, 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 Scar- and well, the team to, to defeat him. She can't do it on her own all the time. I think that's I mean, her arc in this movie, personally. For sure. I, I think the most exciting thing to me is that this movie is three hours. We have no idea what no. they're going to get it to. Like, what do we have, like are, three minutes? Yeah, if even. And it's supposedly all first act stuff. So it's like, I, I, I wonder that. I'm like, how much back and forth are they going to, like, uh, Like, how much is three hours? And of course, there's maybe they'll play out scenes in an in a, in a effective emotional way. Um, but the other the other key which you which you touched upon a little bit was um, I think about Infinity War a lot. There was like two major moments that when I saw it for the very first time, I thought these are going to be key in uh, we didn't know the name at the time, but Endgame, the the eventual movie, which was one Doctor Strange when he's doing his thing on the final planet and he's um, he basically looks at every single possible scenario and then. Uh, tells Tony, I think he says, this is the only way. And so that was a key to me that was like, first things first, they have to fail to later in this movie succeed. And then um, the line where the name of this movie comes from, Endgame, I think is a line, I don't know, I don't remember exactly who said it, I need to watch Infinity War again, but I think it was Tony or someone who says, we're in the Endgame. So, or maybe so well, Strange. so two people have said it. Um, uh, Doctor Strange says we're in the Endgame now. At, during so that same scene you're talking about yeah, yeah, exactly. in Infinity War, but actually, ironically speaking, I don't think that it was you know planned this far in advance. But uh, Tony Stark in Avengers: Age of Ultron is pointing up to the sky where the aliens came down during the first Avengers movie and says, "That's the End Game up there," mm-hmm. which is a really fun little interesting tie, which I think maybe they're from there maybe they know about maybe they're thinking about that as a sort of wink but it could just be coincidence yeah. well i i to brag for a half a second i accurately somehow predicted the the title endgame like um I, uh, my tweet was timed i think like two or three days after infinity war came out so it was like right after i had seen it my second time and someone was like what are they going to call the next one and i said endgame would be a good title and i think i pulled it purely from that doctor strange conversation which was like, it's like, because uh, I'm a huge fan of Doctor Strange. And um, the weird thing is that his whole universe, which is, is part of the MCU technically, is this universe of, he's familiar with all universes. Like every multiverse and all of time and can see everything. So I found it very strange, no pun intended, that in Infinity War he was like, I've seen every possible outcome and the only way to get forward is to fail. And therefore, when he says we're in the endgame now, I'm like, okay, well... Like at the end of the Doctor Strange movie, he was doing a setup, which would then lead them somehow on a path to be able to to, to come to come back and fix the f- mistakes and failure. And, I, and like, of course, my mind is immediately thinking, well, they have to fix Peter Quill's failure, but I don't think it's going to go that far back, or I don't think that's going to fix anything. I think it's one of those. I think they're going to stick to the um, um, space time continuum concept of like. Uh, he like you know you know how when someone dies and in the sci-fi movie they try to go back in time and reverse someone's death and you realize that you can never change that i don't think they're going to change basic like oh he he if he if only he didn't get cocky in that one scene then they defeat thanos i think it's gonna be something bigger but i do think which is the other thing you had mentioned uh mike was that i do think they're going to go back in time 
And I wonder, you know, like every time a movie goes back in time like this and deals with something, I always think of Back to the Future 2. And there's the shot in the trailers where the three feet of the main superheroes walk into the planet. And for some reason, that shot, and obviously we have no idea the context. We don't know when this is, what's going on. We don't know anything. But for some reason in my mind, when they show that shot, I think of Back to the Future 2. Like they're walking around the back of the rubble and they're going to see themselves fighting you know, like there's going to be now two of them because they're going to have come through time and they're going to see themselves fighting in the, in the foreground or in the background, I guess. And, you know, we're going to be following them in that, ne- like some weird thing like that. That's what I think of when I think of that. Well, in, in the, you, you know how in the back of that shot you can see Thanos on his knee. Oh, okay. I didn't look that close. Yeah, so there's, well, I mean, I let the internet do this for me, but there's definitely um, very small in the frame. Thanos is on. Uh, has his knee bent and in a sort of like I just got punched but I'm not out kind of way. So I do think that they've oh, definitely right. been right fighting him. Um, that's probably right before Ant-Man goes up his butt. But um, I just saw something really interesting. And, like, and I mean, to, to, before you continue, Mike, to interject, they, they did – again, this is real spoiler territory. But people who did see set photos from the filming of Endgame, not Infinity War but actually Endgame after Infinity War came out – said that they were reusing the same sets again. So we definitely do know they're going back. It's just a matter of how and what and how that plays in. And I actually, the thought I had to myself was like, maybe this movie's so complex at three hours that maybe that happens in the second act. Or maybe they go back again and realize they can't fix it. Or like maybe it's one of those things where there's this like layer upon layer of attempting to fix it and it doesn't continue to work and they have to keep like reconfiguring somehow or going back further. changing. I do think that when you look at this from a three-act structure which they always are. Um, you've got the first act of them sort of just like licking their wounds, coming yeah, up with a game plan. They go to try to execute that game plan, which is the beginning of the second act. They fail, but they or fail, but they yeah. fail in a way that they see this. They see the solution, so they retreat back, really put themselves together, and then go win. Like I actually don't think they're done losing, to be honest with you. Um, I, yeah, I do of course, th- there will be more deaths. I'm, I'm yeah. sure. That- no, and even if it's not death, it's just a, you know, just sort of like they're not done getting wounded. But Kevin Feige said that Spider-Man Far From Home is the end of phase, phase three, not end game. So whatever the hell that means. Yeah, but that's. And I've, I, I've been, I went off on this on a couple other podcasts about how. Everyone thought the Spider-Man Far From Home trailers were ruining the Avengers Endgame hype. And I was like, come on. I mean, we know it. But there's also the, the whole theory, like, we don't really know when and uh, uh, sorry when the Spider-Man movie is set. Like, what if it's set It's set minutes after. That, I mean, people have said that? Because I say, what I, if it's, it's set? It's officially minutes after the end of Endgame. Well, because I always thought, like, what if... I mean, I, these are so much what ifs, but like, what if the end of Endgame is some sort of um, he snaps and the snap puts everything back to normal? You here's, know, here, like, okay, look, that, but that's a, this that is my big, brain, this no. is my big thing. Okay, uh, again, like I said in the beginning, if I'm wrong, that's okay. I trust them to do the the you right to do the right thing, but I, I I really think the right move here especially looking at the big picture of what's going on with these actors and their contracts and the movies and blah, 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 is, and this, this comes from the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer is what spurred this on for me, which is that 
Endgame, however they go about doing it, right, they're going to reset a lot of things. They're going to go back and they're, whether it's using the time stone or whether it's using the quantum realm time thingamajig, they're going to go back and they're going to try to set things back in motion so that they can su succeed where they failed in Infinity War. But in, well, that's the that's the only way to return fifty percent of the universe. Correct, sorry. correct. But in doing so, um, as we as you've mentioned, the time continuum shifts. Things have to change, but they change in a way that allows Marvel to bring in eventually the X Men characters to sh to in Spider Man Far From Home have this. Jake Gyllenhaal, Mysterio guy fighting a giant like water demon or whatever, in a way that if if those things existed over the last ten years of movies, they would have shown up by now. Like, I think the key question when you're writing and thinking about big franchises that span years and years and tons of movies, where were they before? Right? They did this with Captain Marvel. They'll do it with every other character moving forward. Like, where have you been this whole time? And it's it's a very key component to writing characters with very powerful abilities or very, very just sort of like world-changing evil powers is where have they been? And I think that if you just say we're continuing, the timeline continues, right? And it's normal path. But these characters went back and they switched a few things up. And in doing so, other characters that originally didn't exist have now been living because at first I thought, oh well, maybe that maybe Iron Man and Captain America and even a couple others die along the way, and when Spider Man Far From Home rolls around, they never even existed because we see Happy Hogan and um, Pepper Potts kind of, or I'm sorry, Happy Hogan and Aunt May have a little thing, so it's like, well, is Happy Hogan in this sort of like alternate universe or alternate timeline? Is Happy Hogan? the rich powerful millionaire and uh tony stark was never even around but at the end of the trailer they do say he's like doctor strange or he's like thor and iron man put together or something like that about the mysterio character one of peter parker's friends say that so obviously they exist right at the end of endgame their existence is still there because in spider-man far from home they reference iron man they reference doctor strange and thor or whatever so we're not going to see an, a complete disappearance of their existence, but I think we are going to have to see a shifting of the reality so that in the future, and I don't think they did it for this reason, but I think it's a convenient help, is that they can add the X-Men. They can add all these other characters when they're ready to do it because everything's shifted just a little bit off of its, its axis without being all days of future past about it, which was a probably shittier version of this idea. Yeah, but this is this is already set up in the comic books. That's I mean, this is pretty. It, but every comic book does this, right? Like this is normal for comic book movies. This is or well, comic no, book saying, characters. I'm saying it's been a part of the Marvel universe for, uh, for a while. What is known as Earth 616, um, which is the standard universe that we are familiar with and we are living in, and that um, I was thinking maybe they'll take a page from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and borrow from that what they did, which is lift directly from the comics and set it in uh not earth 616 because it has to be miles morales's universe but um uh connect all the universes and say like okay well maybe now we're in a different one like that whole multiverse concept has already been directly part of the marvel world for a long time like um you can look it up on wikipedia like what the concept of earth 616 means and and like what you know 
that's the main universe, so therefore there can be anything else. And then, you know what, you, when you're saying this, it made me think, what if the um, ending uh, post-credits teaser is like, uh, uh, what's his name, um, Professor X, like rolling into the room, you know, or well, something like that. Nuts. <laughs> but but you also have to think, and this is Disney, and they know what they're doing now. That they just bought Fox just in time for Avengers Endgame to come out. Just I, in I time. do, I do see it. I did see it that way. But then um, Kevin Feige said that because they weren't allowed, they didn't have those rights. They weren't even allowed to create and discuss and have legitimate conversations about how those characters yeah, would fit in and that they're five plus years away. Yeah, but that's why it's a post-credit sequence. That's why it's like a, uh, they could shoot literally in the next week or two, you know, or sorry, in the, in the last week or two since they bought Fox, they could shoot a scene with McAvoy or whoever they want it to be or whoever. I was, I was thinking Wolverine because we're all used to it, but I think Hugh Jackman's done and we don't have a new Wolverine yet. So that's, they don't want to touch that. But like, you know, Magneto or, or Professor X could could walk in and they could have shot that in the last two weeks and just throw that on as a tag. And like as as much as someone out there is listening now and being like, oh, that's stupid. I'm like, look, this is Disney. They can do whatever the hell they want, especially having just dropped what what was it? Some billion dollars worth of money to buy Fox. So why not? But um, that that's that's ultimate far. That's you know, that's after we've seen everything that happens in Endgame. And then we have a post credit sequence. Well, and look, to kind of close out our endgame discussion, I, I do think the one thing that bothers me the most is is how actor contracts bleed into discussions about what's happening in a fictional movie universe. And I, I really wish it didn't happen. Like, I, I know that it's well-known information. Like, they don't need to hide it from us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like that the mindset going in is, oh, they had a 10-picture contract and this is the 10th picture or whatever. So it's like they have to die. No, they don't. A, the the character is not under contract. The actor is under contract. So first of all, let's just not forget that. But second of all, um, they can just make a new fucking contract. Like it's, it's now a one yeah, contract and that's contract. it. Yeah, if they want to revise the contract or go into arbitration or something like they can do all these things also you know a break is not such a bad thing and these actors probably want to do other things but that doesn't mean that they die you know tony tony stark could easily have given up on being iron man as he did yeah, they wouldn't do that. he did it at the end of iron man 3 like he said i'm not I, I i don't need this thing in my chest anymore and he's like i'm done pepper let's go live happily ever after and then shit comes up and he has to be iron man again but you know, the same thing can go for most every other character. Thor can go start a new Asgard somewhere else with the remaining survivors. Um, we don't know how Valkyrie's going to be involved in this movie. The only character to me that really has nothing left, because even if he brings back Bucky Barnes um, as the Winter Soldier or whatever, um, back to life through the events of Endgame, well, okay, so they're just buddies. Like, it's his best friend, but he's—it's just a guy. It's—it's it, not fam. It's not necessarily family. It's not necessarily like an extended um, um, culture of people, or it's not—you know—it's not the love of his life, or probably uh, considering Peggy Carter is, and we have this one little beautiful, perfect little 
like last chapter, last verse of that story that keeps they keep coming back to where he wants that last dance with Peggy. And like if we could just find a way to to put the the ribbon on that thing and give him a really beautiful heroic death in which he admits that now he gets to go have that dance with Peggy. Wouldn't that just be such a great way to go? Like, I can't picture any other character dying in a way that I would feel emotional about, or at least emotionally connected to, other than Captain America. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you know, I remember, Mike, on Infinity War, that was everyone's theory, was that Cap was going to die. There were, like, the shots in the trailer when he grabs the Thanos fist, the the glove, and you're like, oh, this is it, and... And I was very surprised it didn't happen. <laughs> um, but also, you know, we don't know where we're going. Because Cap to me was always like the, he, you know, his life is already in the past anyway. So he can easily die. And like, while it will be emotional, it's like, eh, we can move, you know, he can move on. Or it, or we as an audience can move on from him. But I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, no, the, the, the last thing I wanted to say about Avengers was... Uh, But um, and they always say this every movie is that Stan Lee's, you know, gets one great final send off in Avengers. And while I do contend that his send off and his cameo in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is probably his best and his greatest last one um, in terms of what what I enjoyed seeing him, uh, I always thought like like and this is this is one of the so my favorite thing about speculation is that I'm very bad at like. I'll say something and then there'll be something online where someone's like, no, they already said they're not doing that. <laughs> but I love throwing out totally crazy, crazy ideas. And my, my crazy idea was like, what if Stan Lee comes out of nowhere and he's the one who punches uh, Avenger, uh, Thanos and he's the one who kills Thanos. But I was like, he is so distantly disconnected and that's not really a cameo. That's more of a role. <laughs> but um, I, I do wonder what Stan Lee's involvement is in, in the fun, simple way. And I, I'm... We're so close to Avengers. I see it in three days from now that um, I'm like, when I get close to seeing a big movie like this, I actually try not to think about it because it's what you said at the very beginning of this podcast, Mike, which is that uh, the more we build up in our minds what we think and want and should be, even if it's pure speculation, even if it's total random nothingness, the more we get let down or the more we're frustrated when it isn't that or when it's something different than that. And therefore, when I when I what I've learned over 14 years now of watching movies is that to go into something as big as this is that I try to clear my mind. I try to say, of course, I want this. Of course, I could think that that blah, 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 blah. But I want to go in completely open minded without any expectation and just see what they're going to do. And what I'm most excited for, which is what I just said a little bit ago, which is the, the three hours of it, like what. I, I think that everyone's my, my my grand final theory is that everyone's theory is not right. Is that everyone's theory about this is gonna happen this way could either be a little bit borrowed from this or none of it, but I don't think anyone all has a guess anything that's actually correct. And even based on the, the, the rumors that the actors didn't get the complete script, like they got bits and tiny little portions of their script, makes me wonder how complex and how how much goes on in this. And it also reminds me of many of our discussions in the past, Mike, where like, you've told me this about a movie. You think this is going to happen. And then I see the movie and I tell you, well, it's a little bit of that and a little bit of this and then none of that. Like that, that's my, that's my grand theory for Avengers. It's going to be a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of none of that. And some of that and some of this and all over the place. And no one has any idea what it actually will be, which at the end of this discussion is the most exciting thing to me. 
like to see something that none of us had guessed and that none of us were expecting is is going to be awesome. Um, and I know that the everyone involved in this probably is aware of that weight on their shoulders to deliver something like that. And thank goodness that they haven't revealed too much in the, in the marketing because that's great. That doesn't give us too much to 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 be expecting with this one. So, well, yeah. it, as you said, it comes out very soon. So, on the other side of it is a movie that and, does and not our, come out our, very soon. I was gonna say our next podcast will probably be about <laughs> the, the actually what happened in Endgame. So uh, we'll get, we'll get back to it soon. Yeah. But continuing on. So let's. Should we watch the trailer real quick? Play, let people hear the audio. Well, I, I mean, we all know there's only bits of audio. I mean, we, we know it. <laughs> it's actually the, the most interesting thing I wanted. I thought I could start with was was the um, the text. The uh, the text about the generation. Like, every generation has a legend. The Phantom Menace. Yeah. Text. yeah, exactly. And the saga comes to an end, which is I think also a mirror with the Phantom Menace, right? Yeah. Um, and then, well, it was every, yeah, it was mirror because every saga has a beginning. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Beginning and end and then same legend is that I, I, without a doubt, they, they must've known that they must've planned that. There's no way they couldn't. Yeah. Um, but it's also just easy. Like it's not necessarily part of anything beyond just easy marketing. Right. But I'm saying like, uh, the reason I like this at the beginning of our discussion is that it's kind of like. That that's a it's almost like a, a a wink and a nod to the fact that yes this fully is the end of what began with the Phantom Menace nine well nine movies ago, um, and that this is fully that and you know of course we all know that because it's what they've said and what they promised and unlike Avengers and the MCU I don't think it's meant to continue I think we'll obviously see many many Star Wars movies and Star Wars stories and Star Wars TV shows but I don't think. Aside from, and this is, okay, fine, this will just get right into it. Aside from the fact that the theory that the rise of Skywalker doesn't mean a particular person, but the rise of a religion or a concept known as the Skywalker instead of, not instead of Jedi, but like that idea, that's to me where I think they're leading to with this. Like, we may not see the Skywalker story continue, but it's not like they're never going to mention Skywalker in any Star Wars movie ever again. It's going to be the legend of the Skywalker or Skywalkers, or however you want to put it. That's my... I 100% agree, and I'll be shocked if it's not that. Yeah, but I mean... I will be shocked. I will be in shock. I've only thought, Mike, about... Since everyone has mentioned this, I've thought about it a lot, and I've been like, isn't that a little cheesy? Like, like, I love Luke Skywalker, and I love the Skywalkers, but I don't... it's It's like, I don't... It seems a little too cheesy to be like, the Skywalker religion. But I think... But that's not... I don't know. You don't call it that. Like... I don't think I that know, at any point to, in the movie um, they're going to treat it the way that um, the Force is treated, right? I think the Force is the religion of sorts. It being a Jedi is like it, it, it's 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 like a, a position in the Christian Church or whatever. You know, it's like it, it, it's it's like being a thing within a religion. I I think that that's. Uh, um, the Jedi way it is kind of religious, but it's 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 not direct. And I think when you really look at the big picture, to go back to what you're saying about what the title means, it seems it it does sometimes even seem almost too obvious. But when I couple it with what J.J. Abrams has said about it in questions, you know, it's like, well, what does it mean? 
He says, once you see the film, I think you'll have a, you'll understand yeah. when you see it in the context of the film. And so it, it does seem to me like um, there's going to be a lot of shit going on in this movie. It's going to be a lot. It, we're, it's going to be it's not going to be as simple as, oh, we got the we got the title explanation right. So we figured it all out. Um, but I do think that that in and of itself is and should remain the easiest thing to sort of break down. And if you look at all nine films, assuming that you know we, we're now past episode nine, and to, to see what he said in uh, Last Jedi about the Jedi and about being the last Jedi. And yes, he said, I'm not the last Jedi. And he looked at, you know, and, and we, they cut to Rey to imply that okay. she is the last Jedi. I don't think that there's anything super, super coy happening there. I think that's very specifically him saying there is another. It's Rey. I think Rey's arc and Rey's story is so beautiful because she is not beholden to the past. And I've said this a number of times, and I'll continue to say it until uh, Rise of Skywalker possibly proves me wrong, which is that um, I don't think it's so bad if J.J. still gives her um, royalty blood. right? I don't know if it's her actual parents or if it's her grandparents or whatever, but I think it actually makes what she says and what we took away from The Last Jedi that much more beautiful if she's convinced at this point that her parents were nobodies and that she's emotionally moved on from the idea that she has to connect with her past, that she has to fulfill whatever um, to whatever blood legacy exists in her to be the best and complete version of herself. She's moved on from that. And actually with the help of, of Kylo Ren, because he's always telling her, like, burn the past, get rid of it. Um, I think that's because he knows the truth and he knows that if she did actually embrace her past, she would be stronger than he ever was. But on Ooh. the contrary, Ooh. when she finds out that her parents were somebodies or her grandparents were somebodies or her grandfather is Palpatine, who fucking knows that yeah. she's now at a point where she's mature enough to say doesn't matter anymore. I am well, I am Ray. I am myself and I will teach what I know about the Jedi way and I will be uh, the best version of myself, but I will teach people to do it the Skywalker way. I will teach people how to be a Skywalker and tell them that I, you don't have to yeah. come from Skywalker blood in order to be a Skywalker. So that way that. you fulfill not only what the last Jedi sets up, but you also keep the, the sort of history alive. But then that leaves other questions to be answered. Like the trailer presents a lot of really great questions I can't even wrap my head around. That's not one of them. That's one that I think right now in my head, I've written a really nice story that I like, that I'd like to see done on screen. <laughs> or, but course. of course, if they do it some other way, then I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the trailer can be deceptive. Um, this makes me think, what if Ray is like the opposite where she comes from like evil parents and therefore she has to fight against that to embrace her good side again. But I think what you said, not that I think that will happen, but I think what you said, which is, is more likely the case, is, what, is that idea of she's going to teach people the Skywalker way. I love that. And it, it, uh, the other thing that always has bothered me about Star Wars, and I'll, I'll connect this with um, the current trilogy of movies, is, is the idea that there was only one Jedi. And of course in the first, or the original trilogy, the uh, 456, of course, that was because they were killed and that there was only one returning, Luke. 
and Obi-Wan and Yoda. But aside from them, it was like, I was always like, well, the Jedis aren't meant to be like one at a time, aside from the quote about the balance of the force um, and, you know, dark and good. And therefore there can only be so many. I was always like, it's never meant to be, you know, one. And then uh, Lucas's prequels actually address that. They bring up the fact that there are thousands of Jedi. And then at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, uh, um, the third one, they all get killed because uh, that's what happens. And that's how it progresses into four, five, six. But then you can't forget, and this is how it connects to the current trilogy, you can't forget at the end of Ryan Johnson's The Last Jedi, the kid uh, has the Force powers, right? Which is the little tease, which I always enjoyed, that it isn't one person. There are more Jedis. And I've always contended, and I every time I bring this up, everyone shoots it down, but I've always contended that like Finn had some Force powers or something like that. Not that he has power. Just, like It was just so weird to me that... If the new trilogy has only through two movies had one new Jedi the whole time. And aside from Luke returning, of course, like that was it. And, and you know, Yoda and the presence of the other Jedis. And I was always like, well, one of these other new characters has to have something. And every time I brought that up, even Peter from Slashroom, who I'm a good friend with, he was always like, no, you're so wrong, Alex. So, I've, of course, I'm not going to say Finn has it, but I do think and I do hope that someone else has it. And of course there's sorry, there's the of course there's the new Lando girl, which everyone has speculated she's 99% sure she's Lando's daughter. And I highly doubt she has force powers. But I do think that there's if not in this movie in the middle of it, by the end of it, there's gonna be what you said, Mike, which is that Ray is going to be recognizing the fact that there are others out there and beginning to somehow teach and begin a new quote unquote Jedi school. Um, which is kind of also what Luke had ended with Ben Solo and uh, turning it into Kylo anyway. He was running that school. It didn't work out. And that's that. So it's like this has all been in this new trilogy. And I just want to see all that come to fruition. I want to see them explore that a little bit more and, and actually, you know, do what you said, which is end in that way. I don't really want that new character to be um, Lando's daughter. Only because I just I know, feel but... like it's so, it's just it. It's like almost like it's like faux racism to say that the 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 black character has to be like the other black character's I get daughter. It. Like this is what people did with with Finn, right? They just assumed that because he was black, All he right. had to be his son. I'm like, guys, that's not how the world works. But um, that being said. If it's the case, if she is Lando's daughter, one of, because surely he was a philanderer and he had thousands of kids all over the galaxy, like that would be funny. But um, I think one of the beauty, the beautiful things there could be that she accents what Ray is going through and she's already there. Like they find out or, or whatever, there's a moment in the film where we find out that she's always known that she was Lando's daughter. She doesn't care. She's not going to be beholden to him and his personalities and his experiences and his wealth. Mm -hmm. She's her own person. She lives in her own world and she does her own damn thing. And I think that will only help to accent Ray's final discovery of herself as an individual. If that's what this is really all about, if the final trilogy of the Skywalker saga is about finding your individuality, that's a beautiful thing. And I don't mm -hmm. think that J.J., um, I, I do think I think J.J. Abrams set that up very nicely in The Force Awakens. Like The Last Jedi threw a lot of things for a loop, for like a, a loop, right? Everything kind of went off axis in The Last Jedi, 
And I think a lot of people misinterpreted that as, you know, changing things. I think it's just evolution. I think it's just when you if you only read two of three chapters of a book, you're not going to know whether or not that second chapter is evolution or whether it's just a, a switch. Right. I think and I, I think it's really hard for people to wrap their heads around the idea that they that they didn't have every single word of these three movies written down and figured out beforehand, but they do have the core concepts of why they even bothered to make these three movies. I think the message has been consistent from day one, despite the fact that J.J. has some tricky work to do. I mean, he's he, this... like, I hate the word retcon. It's the worst word. Canon is even, it might be the close second because i don't like them either but they're they are correct they words. are but it's what causes people to really lose their shit like right. there's a lot of people listening to this podcast right now who know all about star wars they've read all the books they've read all the background they know all the lore and that's great because it's so fun that it exists but star wars is not made just for those people right it's made to exist in the universe of its own and there are things that are quote-unquote canon but that doesn't mean that the movie has to go there. And just because, um, you know, Palpatine, we, we know that um, Palpatine made Anakin from the Force, that he's, that he's also capable of um, taking on the, the body of somebody else, that doesn't mean that that's how it's going to happen. It doesn't mean that he was Snoke the whole time. But if that's the case then the movie still has to earn that story. Like, if, yeah, and they if, know that. JJ right. and everyone knows that. I, I totally agree, but I also think that you have to think about it you know, realistically from the standpoint of somebody sitting in a movie theater expecting this movie to be their only source of explanation. And so it's like, you know, there are no footnotes on screen. It doesn't say, please see, you know, the 30th book of the Lucasfilm novelizations franchise for further explanation of this scene. It's like the movie has to do it. And so whatever they're doing with um, with Palpatine is is exciting. Like, I think it's super exciting, but it's also something that you, we have to take with a grain of salt because they just wouldn't have thrown that card out this early if it was the big thing. Yeah, so, I agree. You, you, you put that on Twitter and I agree like that, they, that that can't be the reveal and that's it. Right. You know? I, I'm, I'm actually of the of the belief right now that Vader's coming back. Not Vader, I'm sorry, Anakin's coming back. He's dead, man, he's dead. I, I, I know he's dead, but I think that now, <laughs> I think that now that Luke is in the same sort of uh, ghost verse as, as Anakin, I think that th something's coming from that. I, I don't know if the Emperor is dead or alive, I don't know if uh, the Emperor is just a hologram. I don't know if that laugh is even just from a recording, since he left lots of recordings at the end of Episode 3 for... Uh, um, yeah, at the end of Episode 3, and we know that he... You know, what? In the movie, or are you talking about Ian McDermott? No, he just the, the character... It, oh, okay. it set yeah, a lot of things in motion. The movie sent it for, for uh, Anakin or whatever. He was just always... He was always ready... To continue to do what he's doing, even if he gets right. killed, um, and I just I think that the big questions going into Star Wars are now obviously what's up with Palpatine, but also what's Kylo's story because I don't think redemption is in the cards for him. I just don't. 
I don't think he can yeah. be redeemed the same way that Vader was redeemed. And we've been talking about that for what five years now since the Force Awakens came out. Is like, will he be redeemed? Well, this this makes me one thing you you I wanted to ask before I get back to that is this this um you made me think like what do you buy this idea that uh, they write and make every movie individually. Like Ryan Johnson said that J.J. Abrams had no involvement in Last Jedi and that he handed it off to him and that they only made it individually. And like publicly they say this in a way where it's almost like they, they don't have a plan for where the three movies will go and Ryan just does his thing and then J.J. has to pick up the pieces. And I, I never believed that. Like I'm like, maybe, but also... What I know of Hollywood is that they're definitely talking. <laughs> like they know they're having conversations, they're having lunches, they're 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 talking about things, and they know they have a plan. If if not JJ and Ryan, then at least Kathleen Kennedy and what Lucasfilm is planning has a plan for where it needs to go and where it's going to play out. Would, that, you, would you spend two hundred million dollars on a movie that you didn't have any any clue what you want to do with it? Well, would but you, it's not, you, I'm not talking about individual movie. I'm no, I know, but I'm just I'm prefacing my. They need to lead to it. Yeah, I'm prefacing no, my follow up with that. Just basic yes or no. If you knew you no, were going to spend six hundred, I know Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. I know your answer. I mean, they they know they're going to spend six. Question. They know they're going to spend six hundred million dollars across three movies, right? Just for production. They know they're going to do that. Um. You know, they've had enough time, if they really wanted to take their time, they could have done the Lucas thing, right? They could have written out three very fleshed out sort of story outlines and then just hired people to fill in the blanks. I don't think they did that. But what I do think that they did was they said, hey, J.J. Abrams, master of starting television franchises, Master of taking pre-existing content and modernizing it. Like set it up, you mean, and then yeah. let it play out? Well, yeah, I think what I... we have here is J.J. Abrams made a movie that set the table for lots of different directions. They hired Ryan Johnson because he said, okay, I'm going to keep these threads alive, but I'm going to throw people – I'm going yeah. I'm I'm to shift the tides a little bit, but we're still going in the same direction. Like I think that what they've been able to accomplish is – Keeping their autonomy, staying separate, Ryan Johnson making Last Jedi, keeping himself sort of removed from J.J.'s influence. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that he was without guidance. That's Kathleen Kennedy's role, right? The director is uh, probably the most important in this medium of filmmaking. But I do think that Kathleen Kennedy comes real close behind that. I don't think that she's sitting back just hiring people. She fires people if they don't do it the way she wants them to do it. Like, she's hands-on. Sure, so sure. I, I do think that – I don't think that they're necessarily lying. I don't think that J.J. had um, a hand in The Last Jedi. But I do think that the things he did with The Force Awakens that both made it on screen and didn't make it on screen play a heavy role in the discussions – that Kathleen Kennedy had with Ryan Johnson about where he was going to go with the movie. Sure, that makes sense. And of course, the, the the most interesting thing is that they got JJ back because, as we all know, at least what they said publicly is that he wasn't going to do it. And of course, I I think about that idea of like, what if he didn't take it, and what if they did have Colin Trevorrow or someone else do this third one? It would be something different. But because they have JJ back, that means he can, and he could also choose not to, but he can 
follow through with what he originally came up with in the first one. And you know what? Some of this may be fan service, like fan service for the people who hated The Last Jedi. And I, and I do think a lot of this first trailer plays this way, is that the people who hated The Last Jedi and that Lucasfilm was aware of them being now angry and even though I think it's a bunch of bullshit, at least quote-unquote, you know, they ruined Star Wars, that they're aware of that conversation and that they're now... Thankfully, because JJ is on board, able to say we want to pull it back together to where the threads that JJ started in The Force Awakens, even if you didn't like The Last Jedi, can continue into this one. And that's what makes it interesting to me is like, we actually have no idea. JJ could be smart enough to say, hey, this is what I originally came up with, you know, six years ago when I was developing The Force Awakens, but now I want to take it in a new direction based on not only what Ryan Johnson has done, but but what he feels like now. Um, and that of course, they still have to end up where Lucasfilm and where Kathleen Kennedy wants them to be. And of course, J.J. is not only a fan enough, but smart enough as a filmmaker to have some sort of coherent storyline that leads to someplace like that, which is inspirational for the fans and for people in general, and, and obviously socially related to, to what's going on in the world, which has always been the case with science fiction films, but also something that is satisfying on a, on a grand scale. And I think the satisfaction, when I think about it in depth, to go back to what you were talking about before we got onto this, Mike, the satisfaction is not redeeming Kylo Ren and letting him play out somehow. Because when I think about the, the original trilogy, not Lucas's prequels, but the original trilogy, up until the little, like the very last few minutes, Vader was never redeemed. And they needed that. They need that faux character all the way through and of course palpatine is now the tease of like well we have another foe who equals out the, the lightness of the the force universe but like i don't think I, I don't think kylo will be redeemed i think there will be something about him dealing with his shit <laughs> because of his family because he is technically a skywalker but no i i, mean, I don't think kylo ren gets redeemed because i think that people are just having a hard time seeing this trilogy for what it is. The original trilogy, the original Star Wars trilogy, was all about redemption. From every moment, the the, the reason that Luke wanted to get to Darth Vader um, once he found out that it was his father was to redeem him, right? Right, but and, and he the reverse, <laughs> the, Right, well, the, the reverse redemption um, story was happening as well. The whole reason why Vader wanted Luke was because he wanted to bring Luke to his side. And that's what it was about, right? So for so for Kylo Ren, it's all about bringing Rey to his side, right? It's all about the same shit. He's just a carbon copy of his granddaddy because he wants to be. All he knows about his grandfather is that he was Darth Vader. He doesn't know Anakin Skywalker. He doesn't believe, at least, that Anakin Skywalker... Um, was a good he doesn't care right he just cares about darth vader he's a fanboy who comes from his bloodline and i think that that's intentional like that vader was always a sort of tortured soul who was physically being held together by the machine of by his machine look and and kylo is faking that like he puts this mask on to just pretend like he's a menace but he's really just this sort of like floppy-haired Jewish-looking kid underneath. Not that intimidating. That's why that moment was so powerful in Force Awakens when he takes his helmet off and Rey looks at him and is like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> so so now he's got this scar on his face and now he's 
you know, piecing his helmet back together. And he's actually a scarred person. He's been beaten down by this girl multiple times. He just wants to destroy her now. He gave her every last chance to take sides with him, rule the galaxy together, all that bullshit. She keeps saying no, and every time she keeps beating him. And at this point, now he's just a boy with a gun and, a t- and an attitude. You know, a, a, a lightsaber and an attitude. And what I'm really curious about now when you look at the trailer is, at first I was like, oh shit, Kylo Ren is trying to run her down, make roadkill out of Rey. How exciting. She's going to flip over and slice the ship in half and they're going to have this big, epic, sort of like open arena head-to-head battle. I've I've somehow along the way convinced myself that's not actually him in that ship. That that's yeah, well, that that's the little rope dope that they're doing because two yeah. reasons. Two reasons. Well, obviously people have talked about that ship not being his. I think that that's not necessarily uh, proof enough. He could have retrofitted it. He could have taken somebody else's ship. Whatever. But I do think that it's a little out of character at this point for him to just want to barrel her down he would have he would have fired at her like that funny meme you sent me but i also just don't think that uh i i I don't i i wonder if the knights of ren are going to come back into play and if that's just like one of his hitmen that he sends out or something else i don't know but i do think that that scene as powerful as it is is not all that it appears to be whether he's not in the ship or whether he is in the ship and they're working together and she's actually not going to slice the ship in half. She's going to like hang on to it and then and she's going to get like catapulted into something else. Like, I, I, yeah. don't, I don't know. But now I'm starting to speculate a lot about whether that scene is what it appears to be. That's what I'm getting well, at. Well, no, the, 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 look, the, the key thing I've learned after so many years of watching trailers and then watching movies is that trailers are almost always deceptive. Not always, but for major movies, especially in this current climate, they are. And this movie, this trailer to me is very deceptive. Like, I, I find it so weird now when all these movie websites do analysis on trailers because I'm like, you're anal- you're analyzing something which is designed to trick you, <laughs> and you're and you're taking that bait. And that we all should know now that the trailers are deceptive. And of course, like even go back and watch the force awakens trailers and there's all these shots that i remember the first time i watched it i was like oh this is this and this is this and this is that and then actually watching the movie i'm like this is these are not at all those scenes at all or like not only is it not in there it's just complete it's like a whole different scene from a whole different part of the movie or it's like a cutaway shot or nothing right and and that's what i thought with the only thing i thought watching that scene again where she jumps over the ship is that uh there's a later shot in the same trailer where it shows them in what we assume is Tatooine, but the desert. Um, there's a, there's two shots. There's obviously the one with uh, um, uh, C-3PO and... Um, yeah, and uh, all the guys Snape. together. Yeah, all, all the guys. All the guys on the ship in the desert, whatever that may be. You know, the Mad know. Ma- They're all doing the Mad Max thing. Right. There's that shot, but then there's also the shot right before it where like the there's a, there's a stormtrooper with a jetpack jumping up through what is in a sandy explosion and we can't see what's behind the sandy explosion. We just see the stormtrooper fly out of it and some other vehicles go through it. And that's also in the desert. So I'm like, there's a lot of desert scenes here and these clearly aren't final third act moments we're seeing. So obviously if we, you know, who knows, who knows, but I would assume based on that, that whatever's going on in the desert, whatever Ray is dealing with is something First, second act, it's it's something in the desert where, per your theory, Mike, that 
she's fighting a Knights of Friend or whatever, like, you know, whatever. Who knows? And, I, and obviously the other big twist in it is the reveal of the crashed Death Star in the end. But but not only that, not only the shot of it being the Death Star, but the fact that uh, all of them are there. Like Chewie and Finn and Rey. It, like, they're all there together, which may, I'm like, why? That, to me, that would be like, okay, Rey needs to go on this journey to confront Palpatine or whatever she's doing to confront the Death Star herself. Yet they're all there. And Oscar Isaac tweeted something recently about how he's like, we all have to do this together. Like, that's the quote, um, which is kind of makes me think of Avengers. They all have to do it together. But also, like, there's there's something here where these deceptive shots and moments are making us think of a theory where truly they may be something completely different than what we're really getting at. Which is, again, the point of recording this podcast to, to see how far off we are uh, when we finally do get to see it. But Well, you make yes. it really – I think that last shot is really important and there's a lot of mystery to it. Not just because – what? why is the Death Star on this planet? Are they on Endor? Is that Endor? Because I think that – historically that would make the most sense but at the same time well there were looking... two death stars don't forget yeah <laughs> I'm one, of them think... was blo- one of them was blown to smithereens which was the first one in the mm-hmm. in the first in four and then oh well they were both pretty much blown up which is yeah what, they were blown up but that doesn't mean they were in, like incinerated into nothing but the well, first one the first, the first movie, one they, looks like the first one definitely they like let the sparkles fly into camera so you can yeah, see it's exactly. like nothing but that being said um i i do think that the group the group is interesting there because they all seem yeah. fairly empty-handed and you know i i'm not so sure that any of them are there to continue on the journey to that to that crashed death star i actually think that they are there to accompany ray and be supportive of her and then there's going to be a some kind of moment there where they're like you know or she's like i have to do this on my own and then she continues on her own mm-hmm. and and i think what thing that I, I i'm picturing in my head just now for the first time is what if those opening scenes of her on the crashed star destroyer where she's like repelling and doing all that stuff what if he kind of revisits that as she yeah, careens through the crash that would be sweet uh, that would be great little visual yeah. symmetry but i do think that um there's a there's a story here that happens in this film in which ray is trying to accomplish something for herself on her own and the team is trying to find her because there's a shot in the trailer where finn is in the foreground and uh, poe is in the background and finn is sort of just like holding Ray's staff in a way that appears that he just found it in the desert somewhere. I think that they, uh, I do think that the team is like trying to, to help her to, to catch up to her in some way, or maybe even they think she's dead because where she was supposed to be, just her staff is laying on the ground. I don't know, but I'm still like bothered by the fact that like, are they, are we ever going to get a, a say a, a lightsaber a dual lightsaber staff version for ray yeah. like what are we really not gonna get this like <laughs> of all this staff shit and we're not gonna actually just retrofit a a, a darth maul style saber for her kill me well that was that was that, one of the things i thought was like maybe the reason they don't want to is because they did it with darth maul and maybe they're like well that's darth maul's thing and we don't want to revisit that if it's not his thing and of course uh spoiler but in solo he's still around like you know yeah, yeah. Let's like, not forget he could very, very well be in this movie. 
But also, but it, this is something we did text about once, Mike, and, I, and I'll repeat for the podcast, which is that we did, I, I did say to you, like, her whole thing has been her staff. And even at the the celebration moments for Daisy Ridley, she she mentions how much she loves the staff and that that's Ray's thing. And I'm like, how what you just said? How is it not obvious that one day she's gonna have a double edged lightsaber as her staff? Like that's that's like the most like she's been training for it. And you know the other thing that made me think this um, that you made me think is that, that uh, they did mention at celebration one of the things they revealed that I think Daisy herself said it was that a, a amount of time has passed between um, The Last Jedi and the beginning of uh, The Rise of Skywalker. So there isn't simply a two minutes later continuation. Something has happened. And this makes me wonder if there's some sort of thread where like uh, the Palpatine thing is kind of like, oh, well, maybe there's this sudden disturbance and she goes off trying to find out what it is. Kind of like how in, I think it was The Last Jedi, which is basically just like uh, her trying to go find Luke the whole time. It's just all that's all she cares about. She's just driven on that mission. And that like like you said, maybe she's just off on it and they're trying to catch up to her the whole time. But the shot with all of the group at that final planet is um the new droid, which is we don't know where the heck they picked this guy up. The the friend mm-hmm. of uh, Love it. Dio Dio yeah. is what they're calling it. And you know, and it's C three PO and it's Chewie who where's Lando because the other scene we see is Chewie with Lando, but Lando's not in this one. Can we talk uh, about how R2-D2 is nowhere to be found and how sad yeah, but, it might be if he's dead? Well, but you can't kill him. But remember in, um, what was it, The Force Awakens where like you never saw him the whole movie and then he like came alive at the end of, uh, what was it, Last Jedi? Like, he, like aside from C-3PO, the droids have kind of been, um, I remember that the, the reasoning wasn't necessarily story, but, it, uh, but they worked it into the story because the reasoning was they wanted to move on from the original trilogy. And they didn't want to rely on these two characters who, while they are important characters to the whole saga and to the whole universe of Star Wars, like they're like, well, now we have a new droid BB-8 and let's give us more time with that guy than these old guys. Um, but of course now the, in this final movie, they've got a mix of everything. They've got Lando as old, they've got C-3PO, they've got Chewie, they've got BB-8 who is two movies in at this point. They've got, they've got a mix of everyone. What, what I love about having J.J. back is not only do I love him as a filmmaker, I, I, he pretty much has never disappointed me. I, I, I think he's great. Um, is that he just, he thinks about these movies as a fanboy. And I know that that's sometimes not a healthy thing for these movies to really expand beyond the way that The Last Jedi did. Even, I mean, Ryan, Ryan Johnson's a fanboy, right? I mean, but he just yeah. thinks differently. Um, I think if you're really going to bring this thing home, Let's make sure we do it with a sense of familiarity. And I think familiarity is healthy in the Star Wars uh, saga. I, I don't think that um, any criticisms that I saw of The Force Awakens being too similar to the original movie or whatever, I think that was silly. That's called narrative symmetry. Get a fucking clue. Like, that's, that's not bad. It's actually really good. If you could just copy and paste a movie from 1977... And make it feel fresh and new while still having all the same beats. That's good. That's healthy. That's like that's how real worlds, the real world of great stories work. It's how history works. We history is constantly repeating itself, but it changes just a little bit each time. And the question is whether it changes towards the side of evil or the side of good. And I think that's the question that this movie has to answer for us. 
You know, good always triumphs over evil. That's the core value of Star Wars. It's what makes Star Wars great. It's what's made it family friendly, and it's what's made it uh, the the hero's journey tale for all of time. So mm-hmm. we know good will win, but I think what we've done as a society, as moviegoers too, is acknowledge that good is not just goody two shoes. Good, right? Good has a gray area, and in fact, sometimes good means being in that gray area. And I think that's what we are all really excited about with the new franchise. The people who like it, they like the fact that she has a darkness within her. And her journey means not necessarily suppressing it, but embracing it to the extent that she can control it and use it when it's necessary. And that was always the thing that sucked the most about the Jedi. That they're just like monks. That's boring. (laughs) I never thought that, but okay. I always thought like, okay, Jedi are cool, but they're also like boring as shit. They're not supposed to have sex. They're not supposed to. Um, they're not. They're just. They're not supposed to be human, right? They're supposed to be right. No emotions and yeah, yeah. right. And and I think that if you look at the whole big picture, that's what makes her such a compelling figure, and that's what I think makes the idea of her starting a new line of force users and calling them skywalkers so powerful anybody can be a skywalker you don't have to be luke or luke's son or a part of this bloodline to be all powerful and balanced and if and i think the prophecy of bringing balance to the force means coming up with something that lives in the middle and you can't just call yourself a gray jedi (laughs) that's like being the that's like being a a, a right-leaning Democrat or a left-leaning Republican. Like, no, there's a reason that they call them centrists. Um, and I think that if they can find that with Ray, that's beautiful. But she still has to defeat evil to allow the gray area to exist because the gray area cannot survive if there is a, if there are still Jedi and there are still Sith. So sure, sure. that's why I think it's not... Like, if, if, if Luke was the last Jedi, really... And he's gone. There's no more Jedi. And if, um, and so what is on the other side of that coin? It, it's not Kylo. Kylo is not a Sith. He's a wannabe Sith. Um, Snoke, I don't know. We don't really know what he was. He seemed to be a Sith Lord, but you know they, they didn't address it the way they usually do. So I do think that that's where we end up with Palpatine. And I don't think that it's just a sort of convenient trope to put him in the movie i think it's actually very well thought out and i've for a long time and i said it in our one of our first podcasts i want darth plagueis the wise to be the way this damn thing ends i want i want it so bad i'm like if it happens in the movie i'm gonna look like that guy who was crying watching the trailer that everybody was making (laughs) fun of um um I'm going to look like that. I'm going to just cry. If they fulfill yeah, you, that prophecy just, from the opera scene in in Return of the Sith and and Palpatine reveals himself to have been the true Darth Plagueis the Wise and he found a way to continue to live even beyond death, which is to live through other bodies, wouldn't that just be something? And he did it yeah. through Snoke. And the theory there, and sorry I'm rambling, but the theory there is that the reason Snoke's body was so ravaged was because he was essentially possessed and his body was rejecting this evil that was um, 
in him that was Palpatine or Darth Plagueis, whatever you want to call him. And so now he's just going to be either somebody else or somebody familiar, but he's going to be in physical form. And maybe he even, maybe he even fucking possesses Kylo. Who knows? But it's got to be explained. And I think we yeah, all know, yeah. we all believe that. That's the one thing we know. They can't just yeah, do I, shit. They got to explain and it. I, and I like that. Uh, we've talked about it a lot, but I like that scene in uh, Revenge of the, the Sith where they go to the, the opera. And, it, and it's, it's a, I rewatch it again because of this trailer. And it's like, I always think there's more to it. And then I rewatch it. And I'm like, ah, oh, he's just talking about what you said, which is that this guy got really powerful and could, could you know, uh, defeat death, but also couldn't totally outrun it. Um, and the, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously Palpatine or pre-Palpatine manipulating Anakin a bit mentally, but it's a key scene. I think it will, will have more relevance somewhere in this somewhere. Um, and, and, you know, this, the, the one thing I was thinking about also that, that I wanted to mention was the, the reason I love a redemption thing, which I know you hate is the idea that I want to see a character go uh, through complete negative to positive and it's a very relevant theme for current society which is like someone we see is bad whether they're racist or or something being able to move on from that darkness and find a way out and that 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 we haven't really seen any of that in these last two of this current saga yet we've seen progression and and build-ups to that but we've never seen anyone truly have to go that far as a character arc and and actually one of my thoughts was almost like the the ray arc like what if what i said earlier what if she gets truly lured to the dark side and has to somehow find a way out of that or something like that you know those kind of depths of of luring you into there and 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 that true arc but i also think that maybe they're just like hey we know this is a big entertainment franchise and we don't we're, this isn't some art house film and we're just gonna give you a, a easily consumable set of characters and storyline and character arcs to follow that aren't, you know, super deep, like a, like a, you know, can Palm d'Or winning level film. But I don't know. So this, one of the other theories that's going around that I want to mention is the, the theory with Ray and that uh, the first place I read this was on Slash Film, which they picked it up from a tweet which is that the spaceship shot early on in the trailer, which is this dark blue world, and there's a ship that's going into this town or whatever you want to call it in this world, and they connected the look of that ship, which is the engines in the back of that ship, looks like an A-wing, which is the, there's a shot later in the trailer where an A-wing is blowing up in the middle of a space battle, but actually that ship that uh, seems to connect more physically to the ship in The Force Awakens which leaves Jakku when she has her flashback moment and she's seen, as a young girl, she's seen her parents go away. Um, is a, or whatever his name is, the, the big dude who owns her is like dragging her away and she's like, no, don't leave me. And that, that ship flies away. Apparently that ship is the same ship as in that shot. Which again, you know, like I, what I've been thinking a lot with this trailer, which I already said a couple of times, but I'm going to repeat for the 10th time now, is the idea that it's, it's deceptive to make people who didn't like the last Jedi or didn't like the fact that, and you know what? I, I, I know you and I, Mike don't agree with these people who, who don't like that. She was a nobody, but 
but the the Lucas, like I said before, Lucasfilm was aware of that, and they have to somehow make sure that they come see this movie, <laughs> and that part of that is is giving them the thread that maybe she is something or someone. Like you said, that could be okay, which is fine with me too. If it if they play it out the right way, that doesn't bother me either. And this little shot, even though it's kind of a throwaway shot and you have to be super nerdy and you have to have read about it to pick up on it, is the kind of thing that, like, is that scene where the ship is going, her parent or parents or or someone related to her leaving? Like, what if it's Palpatine who has created her going to meet some people after he has left her on Jakku? You know, like, that's some random theory I just came up with on the top of my head. But there's something like that to it. And that they wouldn't have included these shots if they weren't meant to be some kind of tease or clue that that the right people would pick up on and that that and that just enough of a tease to get people to be like oh I now I need to go find out what this is and is she does she really have parents who is in the ship what's going on here what was it you know and that's that's part of the excellence of movie marketing is that kind of thing which we've talked about for years and years now which is the idea that it creates more questions and is designed to make you intrigued to find out what it is and that we have no idea and truly what it will be, even though we can theorize left and right. And that, and that again, the one thing I've learned is that they'll never truly tell you what it is in the trailers. As much as we, we may think like, oh, they've given us enough of a clue to put it together and to figure it out. That's not going to happen. <laughs> they they well, also look know at that. the clues they also... that they're giving us, right? They're giving us the clues to think about the thing, not to get the answers. And I, I, nothing's an accident. There's such limited real estate in these trailers. They're not doing it by accident, obviously. Right. And so right. by putting that shot in the trailer, they knew people would figure that out, especially Star Wars fans. And what they want people to think about is, okay, we're coming back to that. Like, we're not done with this. But they, they know what people will do, right? It's pretty easy to predict that the people will say, oh, he's retconning. I fucking hate that word. But that he's changing the... The Last Jedi's decision, rather than only thing that happened in The Last Jedi was that uh, a very unreliable character said uh, that her parents were junk traders, filthy trash, whatever. But but that our reliable uh, this has been analyzed right, but our but but to that extent also the reliable person Ray said she knew this was true. She knew this. She actually was the one who said it. Right. She said they were nobodies. He didn't say that. He just pushed it a little further. Um, I, I I think that the, the we have to get the answer, right? I don't think that JJ is going to shy away from delivering that answer. The question is going to be who gives that answer, and I, I like I don't want it to be a Maz Kanata kind of character. I want her to discover the truth in a much more powerful way. Um, yeah, that so, shakes her up or something, you know. Right. Or, or, and, or is that leads her down her final path or whatever it is. Yeah, and I know it's going to be exposition at this point, but it's okay. Like, I think whatever they do, the one thing that I think makes these films so enjoyable is that every answer breeds more questions. And I think this will do the same. When we find out who her parents are or who her grandparents are, whatever, it's going to create new questions that make that story deeper rather than closing the book on it. And and I think what we need to figure out is whether or not the person that she knows to be her parents 
were just either faking it, right? They were pretending to be nobodies so that if anybody ever looked into her, they would see nobodies or whether or not they were not even her real parents that they were she was, you know, fostered by people because if somebody found out her true parentage, they would come for her, which is mm-hmm. essentially the same thing that we've seen in the past with Star Wars. So I would be disappointed if we found out that Palpatine made her, you know, the same way he made Anakin or something. That, to me, is a cheap out. But I'm like, I don't think that's going to happen. And I do think that that shot in the trailer proves that we're going to get a really good, satisfying, deep, well-thought-out answer. Mm-hmm. And that they very, that maybe Jar Jar Binks is her dad. <laughs> what it do you know? Doesn't it kind of look like that place? <laughs> a little bit? <laughs> You mean the Gungan, the underwater Gungan place? No, no, but but I, <laughs> but I think I think something else we should briefly expand upon is, I think as far as fan theories go, the one that you know is the most compelling to me is this whole idea that um, Snoke I touched upon it, but we didn't really expand. So I want to get your opinion on it. Is the idea that um, you know with Darth Plagueis the Wise being able to cheat death, it's not necessarily that he comes back to life as himself but that you know the very title uh, the very name itself coming from the word plague is that he is a he's a disease right evil is a disease in and of itself we, we all know that in yeah, real life so darth plague was he takes he, he was no. yeah he's like a, it's like a it's it's like a virus or a plague itself right so he was in some body um when when palpatine was the pupil killed him it became it, it came into him and then when uh, – and he's trying to like – they train their next host, right? That's what the only one – there's only two Sith at a time is because they're training – he's training his next host body. But Vader sort of like redeemed himself by killing him. But in doing so, he was sort of relegated to the depths of that Death Star. And when that Death Star crashed, whoever Snoke was – before that, he came onto the ship and was then possessed, essentially, by Plagueis and became the new evil emperor, whatever. And that's why he kind of came out of nowhere. And he's trying to train Kylo Ren to be the next great uh, Plagueis. But he knew that Plague. I, I mean, the dialogue is not accidental, right? When he's like, you will kill your greatest enemy, blah, blah, blah. And then he's the one who gets killed. He knew he knew what he was saying. That was clever writing by Ryan Johnson, but also I think, in in part, a bit of a reveal that the Plagueis thing isn't all that far from the truth. So now the question is: When they get to the Death Star, do they simply hear a recording or see a Force Ghost version of Palpatine explaining what he's done? to Snoke. I think that's probably how this is going to go. I don't think that Palpatine that's himself is going to be... What? That's a, that's a lot of random theorizing. I don't even think they're going to get inside that star. I think it's this simple. I just think that mm-hmm. I think that Kylo is going to really... It, I think Kylo is now Darth Plagueis. I, I, I honestly believe... I, I get that, yeah. yeah that, that, I, that right now... Whatever's been happening between these two movies, Kylo's going to get darker and darker because Plagueis is going to is going to have infected him deeper and deeper, and he's going to get worse and worse. And they're going to find out that if they can get, if they can, if they can find out what truly happened to him, that it's not really him. It's not actually Kylo Ren. 
or it's not actually Ben Solo, that Kylo Ren is his sort of Darth Plagueis infected version of himself, they can go and prove that that's the case. They can detach him from that, convince him to embrace the fact that he's still Ben Solo, that that is not him. Kylo Ren is not him anymore. That's the only way I see redemption happening. Because redemption is bullshit if you can't convince people that they are permanently redeemed. The only way to permanently redeem somebody is for them to redeem themselves right before they die. Right, which is later redemption. But I I read all the theories online about this, right? I mean, not all of them, but I saw I saw the one and it kind of like went through the various Snoke dialogue and it's kind of, you know, I was I was frustrated, but it also didn't bother me as much as it bothers some people in The Last Jedi when you know nothing about Snoke and he just dies and that's it. And you're like, wait, who the hell was he? I, and, you know, your, your theory is kind of like putting the pieces together. Well, well, now this explains who he was. I read all this. I just, I just don't, there's just no other clue that I'm seeing that allows me to just like to attach onto this theory. Cause I'm like, what, what you know, where <laughs> I your, your, your theory, Mike, which I admire is coming from your love for Plagueis <laughs> and that whole uh, opera scene and wanting it to connect, which I get. But other than that, and Plagueis has never been mentioned or otherwise appeared the rest of the series aside from that moment. But I, well, because I'm saying, you, well, whatever. But my point is that I haven't seen the clues and pieces to make me be like, oh, yeah, I'm all on board for this being the potential. I, I, I think it's like, if it turns out to be, I'll be like, wow, okay, you guys were on to something. But for now, I'm just like, this just seems so far-fetched and so fan servicey, where you're like, yeah, this is what I want out of it. Um, and also, it also seems to be filling in the gaps because we don't have answers in a way that we should with Snoke and with who and why exactly Ben is bad, but besides the fact that we get a little bit of his, um, uh, Luke's explanation in, in The Last Jedi of why he turned bad. But other than that, it's so unanswered, which, you know, it's you, you were saying, oh, I think JJ will answer these questions clearly. You can't forget JJ is the mystery box guy. And that he is very clearly trying not to answer everything. And while he has an obligation to answer some of it in this one, considering it's the end of this saga, at the same time, I don't think it will be answered. I think there will be... But he's never, very good. he's never finished anything before. He, he's never right. made the last chapter of anything. And the only time he did where he had a big-time mystery box was Lost, and he did open that box. Like, he revealed, explained very deeply what the smoke monster was. And I think that bothered people, like... He, he's never had much of an opportunity to actually open the box entirely and say, here's what's inside. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's my point, is that, that Star Wars is a mythological universe that, as you mentioned earlier on in this podcast, expands way beyond just movies. And while books and these things are canon, that doesn't necessarily mean everyone will read them and understand them. But nonetheless, they don't have to explain every little bit and piece of it and then it can be connected into a greater universe. And like, to me, that was essentially what happens with Snoke. It was like, Snoke is Snoke. And that, yes, there may be some explanation, but we don't get it and we don't know it, but there is within the universe an explanation to it. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean they have to explain Snoke in this movie, but that also doesn't necessarily mean there is no explanation to it. And that Star Wars goes well beyond it. That's who, um, I forget his name, but there's the guy on Twitter who gets a lot of shit all the time whose job at Star Wars is the, like, story guy. He's kind of like a showrunner, but uh, for story specifically, whose job it is 
to understand the entire Star Wars universe and make sure all of the story threads are cohesive and connected and explained in, in, in a giant, massive way, which is, to me, a huge mental undertaking. But that's, to me, I don't know. I, and, I, and I think that's the case with, like, I bet you there will still be unanswered questions by the end of The Rise of Skywalker, and that we still won't know who everyone is or exactly this or that or how that happened. And that's every movie doesn't give you every answer, of course. But that we the the expectation that everything is going to be answered is I, I don't think is the case. That's that's my theory and my prediction for the rise of Skywalker is that while we're going to get a lot of satisfying conclusions and explanations, there will still be a number of them which, in our podcast we're going to record this December, we're going to get into in depth and analyze again. And that's that's the great thing about the way uh, to be all philosophical here. The way time works is that just imagine in in what is it. Uh, uh, six, seven months from now, when we're sitting down to record the podcast about the rise of Skywalker, thinking back to this moment in this conversation we had now, and that if only we could jump ahead six, seven months and know exactly what we would be seeing and what we'll be doing and what we'll be talking about. But for now, this is all our beautiful theorizing. I'll have I'll have many new theories over the course of the next six months. This yeah, is certainly where I'm at right now after the first trailer and having gone to celebration and sort of really just sort of been in it and thinking about it a lot, I'm going to give it some space, right? I mean, uh, until the next trailer is not much more I can go off of, but I'm yeah. going to sort of, this is sort of just kind of where I'm going to be for the next few months until another trailer comes out. I'm going to just sort of live in this space. I mean, my, my assumptions of where end game was going to go have changed from the first trail from the end of infinity war to the first trailer, and then to now. And I think that's what I enjoy most about speculation is the ever-changing approach of it. Like, you hear a new theory, and you start to think, wow, that makes sense. That would be really cool. And then you start to put the pieces together. And I think that's why I love Star Wars and why I love uh, these, you know, the the Avengers, the, the Infinity War Endgame sort of movies. The rest of them didn't always give us much to speculate. But, like speculation movies and event films are my favorite it let's not forget we're going to probably get a christopher nolan teaser at some point later this year too at which point we'll be back doing more speculation because if there's one guy who draws speculation out of me it's him yeah yeah of course um well the the last i mean uh the last thing i wanted to touch upon real quickly for those who are still listening to the end is is there any other fun theories or thoughts and, and speculation and guesses you have for other than Star Wars and Avengers that's coming up later this year. I have one or two films that I want to talk about real quickly. One of them I had already mentioned on Twitter, which is that um, before I uh, – sorry, in the time between when I sent this tweet out and now they released the trailer for The Joker. But before this trailer had come out, um, I had written a tweet that I think the Joker movie is going to be awesome. And, of course, because it's Joker, there's a lot of weight upon it and a lot of expectations and so on. But I still believe it's going to be way better than we're expecting. And the first trailer confirms that. Um, so now that the trailer's out, it's like, well, okay, we all, based on what we've seen, can feel that way might actually be the case based on the actual footage we've seen. Um, and my other theory, uh, or not theory, but my other, my other big thing that is that there's this movie called 1917, which is the new film from Sam Mendes. Um, and it's set during World War One, and I didn't know this until people started talking about it a few weeks ago, thanks to, um, I don't know if they showed anything, but uh, the, the discussion at CinemaCon in Vegas, the, the Hollywood preview show, 
Um, they, the, not, the 1917 movie is one take. And apparently it's one long one take movie following a couple soldiers during one day in World War One, shot by Sam Mendes and get this, Roger Deakins is the cinematographer. And I have a feeling like no one has been thinking about this movie because we've kind of like it's just been listed on IMDb as a film set during World War One. And yet I think we're all going to lose our shit for this. And it opens uh, at least right now it's set to open on Christmas Day. So right after Star Wars. Um, and that that's kind of a positioning that means it's also going to be a prestige movie that's going to push it into the Oscar realm, too. So it's it's not just a big blockbuster. It's a it's a we're all going to be holy shit on it. And. And this is based on just what I've been hearing. We have no idea. No one has seen footage publicly yet, as far as I know. Um, and therefore, no one can even begin talking about it or know what's going to come because we just don't know. But that's my thought is, like, just get ready for this one. I think this is going to be one of the most talked about movies by the end of the year. I would love to see that. I, I'm very excited when I saw that it was going to be a one take. And I also thought it was kind of uh, funny that Christopher Nolan's director – uh, I mean, editor um, Lee Smith, who's not working on his upcoming movie, took the job of editing a movie that's supposed to be in one take. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. It's, good. it's a great, it's great means, gig. But... Great gig. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's a maybe it's a tricky one take, like Birdman, where there's kind of like some oh, for sure. I mean, you can't physically do one take. It's not actually. I don't think it's physically doable. Simply no, they, because they, of the there are movies. There are movies that they've done that, but just on the scale that this is supposed to be i don't know that's what i mean i mean yeah. the, the the victoria movie was the only one i can yeah. really say is a is a serious one take movie but it's like if you guys if if you've never seen it watch it you'll see why it was possible i mean they did it in six takes and they chose the third or fourth one i think but and then it's just one shot um i'm, I'm i love movies like that i, I can't wait for that very curious about it. Um, the one, there's one movie that's coming out right now called High Life that I really need to see. That sounds like a movie that's going to create a lot of discussion. Have you? Did you see it? Yeah, but that's I don't want to talk about it on this episode. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I I think other than that though, I you know, speculative films are in short supply, and they tend to only really work if they have a ton of material behind them for people to use for their speculation which is why you know i wish you watched game of thrones and we could talk about that but it's okay i have plenty of friends to speculate on that show with now that i've caught up um but when that's over and i'll be back into full-blown star wars mode and <laughs> hopefully there'll be a new trailer yeah all right mike you have no idea what's coming then something something's gonna slap you in the face in the next few months <laughs> you know it and as as we're both trailer nerds and Hollywood dudes, but um, of course the next big set of trailers is with Avengers. And I and I thought there would be more out before we recorded this episode, as in the past week, but there wasn't. Um, and they're still coming. Like the next one that probably by the time this episode is out will be released already is the Ang Lee movie Gemini Man with Will Smith, which is a sci-fi where he fights a young clone of himself. Um, and that one I think will get people talking too. Uh, but uh, they haven't put the trailer out. It's supposed to be out with Avengers, so there's going to be a lot of trailers soon. And and to me, that's kind of how the world works. Is like I'm familiar with all these movies because I'm reading about them, but no one really gets to get into a discussion on them until they actually put out footage and put out a trailer. Even if it's a teaser without much, 
at least that gets people going. There are a few exceptions, which are like Christopher Nolan and major directors like Terrence Malick, who people are just so in tune with and following so closely that they are excited about. But I think a lot of people just don't, they need that visual something to actually kick them into gear and being excited for it. And there's a lot of movies for me that I'm like, I don't know, I need to see footage for it before I can decide what I feel about. Like, I, I want to be excited for it, but I just have no idea what it will be. And once I get that look at it, then I'll have a feeling about it. But like, like Little Women, the the um, uh, the next film from Greta Gerwig, like, I want to be excited for it because it's Greta Gerwig, but I also need to see the footage before I decide whether it's in a, a film I'm really anticipating or just one. I'll be like, yeah, okay, I'll see it. I hear you. I'm definitely <laughs> like in for that that's movie. All. I'm like, in like, for that movie, yeah. but I I haven't thought much about it. I guess is where yeah, I'm going. I, mean, I, I think. I know it's coming out soon also, but Godzilla is a movie that I've been pumped for ever since day one. I don't know anything about the background of these sort of like monsters that people are super excited about, but um, I'm excited to learn about them too and get as into it as other people have been. But then there's, I think we're going to be, we're going to end up as soon as Endgame comes out. Now that we've been told that Spider-Man is the end of phase three, I think there's going to be a little bit of, speculation going into what happens in Spider-Man Far From Home also, which the next trailer will probably um, address. So, you know, there's also that. And the, the other movie that I'm most looking forward to is, uh, and you're going to hate me for saying this, though, is the Hobbs and Shaw trailer. Uh, the Hobbs and Shaw no, Fast no, and that's Furious awesome. movie. Dude, but I don't the have, trailer I don't that came out this week. I just think it's going to be fun. Yeah. yeah, no, no speculation needed. The new trailer that came out was fucking crazy and i I, seriously like if that movie never comes out that trailer would still be enough for me to enjoy forever like that movie's gonna be nuts and i'm very excited uh for no reason other than just the the pure joy and silliness of it other than that though i haven't really thought much about the other movies coming out later this year i mean i know there are going to be some that we don't know about that really take our attention and become a, a big deal but I don't, I mean, other than Joker, which I'm so excited for, it looks so good, not that much kind of like on my radar. I, you know, I, I, well, this is why trailers are so great. They'll, they'll show us. I know Ryan Johnson has a movie that's coming out later this year, and that's probably going to be good, but my, my focus is mostly Skywalker. Yeah. So we'll, we'll revisit all the, we'll, we'll revisit all these later. But I think we had plenty of speculation for Endgame and, of course, Skywalker today. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, guys. If you have anything crazy to tell us, shoot us a message in Twitter or email or whatever. I'm all for speculating on Twitter, so come at me and let's talk. Yeah, and we'll be... At Eisentower30, if you didn't know. And we'll be, uh, next episode should be an Avengers one, so um, we'll we'll go right from Avengers into Avengers again. (laughs) Um, so yeah thanks for listening guys and we'll see you soon alright adios